0: Hi, it's Dave. Welcome. Today I'm joined by Mark Gurman. He is a tech reporter for Bloomberg. He is one of the most renowned actually journalists following Apple for the past decade. He has released some of the hottest scoops on Apple. I'm honored to have him on my show. We're going to be talking about Apple Car, CarPlay, um, and how it relates to Tesla and the whole auto market. So welcome, Mark. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. I remember. We met a few years ago at a Tesla event. I think it was the uh, battery pack one. Um, so that was fun. And I'm a big fan of your channel and Tesla and Apple. So I think it makes uh, for an interesting intersection here.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, for those who have, been, have seen your work, I'm not sure if they know that you've been following Tesla for quite a while. I mean, do you have a Tesla car by chance? I have a Model Y. Uh, okay. I got a Model Y uh,
1: mid-last year. So before some of the... Uh, The price hikes, I I still believe it is the latest one. I could never tell Uh uh, with their their upgrades. I saw they did another price increase the other day. Uh, Definitely the best car I've ever had. It's actually only my second car that I've had personally. I didn't need one when I lived in San Francisco or when I was in college. But uh, these days, to get around LA, you definitely uh, need a car. Uh, I think it's awesome. Some people like to call it an iPhone on wheels.
0: Yeah, I think yeah.
1: that's uh, that's it, basically. And, you know, it gives a lot of promise for what Apple might be able to do in the space with user interface and autonomy and design. So I think that one of the biggest mistakes of Tim Cook's tenure at Apple was when Elon Musk came calling to try to sell Tesla uh, to Apple okay. right before the, the Model 3 uh, issues with the ramp up there, you know, for around 60 billion dollars. I think Apple probably should have done it because I'm sure they've spent uh, not that much but a considerable amount on their own car development and getting Tesla in the fold probably would have sped things up.
0: Yeah, I mean Apple could have done maybe like a 20% you know stake in the company at that time or done something, you know, to uh to do something interesting. Um I'm curious do you have FSD beta on your uh Model Y yet? Or I don't do have you, FSD order, beta. you don't have it. Okay.
1: Yeah, but I use uh the included autopilot from time to yeah. time on the freeway and some, you know, city streets from time to time. Uh definitely want to give a shot on the FSD beta. I haven't had a chance to get that. Uh, I'm someone who believes in autonomy. I- I've used the autopilot on some of the, the curvier uh, canyons and such, you know, around California, and it's done pretty well. Sometimes it could be a little scary. Uh, you really want to actually have your hands on the wheel and pay attention. So it's not close to prime time yet but you can see sort of like the framework of the promise of autonomous driving.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, So I wanna, um, my goal is kind of to get an overview of Apple's ambitions and also current efforts with CarPlay, also Apple Car. And I wanna see like, um, I wanna gauge kind of, uh, in your opinion, uh, based upon all that you've heard and all that you've been following, does Apple Car pose a threat Know, two Teslas, let's say, you know, competitive positioning or not. Um, but first, before that, let's take a step back. You've been covering not just Apple, but the whole Apple car developments for many, many years. And a lot of the stories on Apple car point back to you, right? And your stories um, regarding Apple car. So... Can you kind of give, for those who aren't aware of what Apple's been doing, kind of give a brief overview of when Apple started, kind of, you know, their experiments into a possible car? What's happened, you know, ever since and what's their kind of current status?
1: Yeah, I'll give you sort of the short version of the history. So around 2014, 2015, right before the Apple Watch was to go on sale, Apple was already thinking about what it wants to do next. Uh, after the watch and the idea internally was to build a car right they weighed sort of trying to get into the full self-driving car space trying to just get into the ev space right? But they really ended up wanting to just go full force to compete. Those were the early days of Tesla, right? 2014. uh, Those were the times where Detroit was still on top of the the car industry. And so they started hiring hundreds, if not a few thousand people uh, to work out of some secret labs in Sunnyvale, California, near their campus. And they went full force on building a car for about two years. Then they started hitting some real roadblocks in terms of design, in terms of autonomous technology, in terms of EV technology. They started having to lay off people, and what they ended up doing was they brought in their former head of hardware engineering for the whole company, who had basically partially retired before that. They brought him in to oversee and reboot the project, and what he did was they moved out many of the hardware engineers, drivetrain engineers, what you think of when you think about building a car, and they focused just on the underlying autonomous system. And the idea was they want to get this self-driving technology down
0: pat before going back to actually building the car. Then a few years okay. ago so let's uh, uh pause right there so yeah. um what happened do you think because i remember back then apple was hiring like crazy in the early days and they really seemed to have momentum and then they kind of just like kind of i wouldn't say f- fell apart but they definitely hit some obstacles before you know mansfield came in um so what do you think was the core issue was was it they didn't want to get into the hardware business it was just too low margins like they didn't want the complexity of you know the whole auto market or was there some other, something other fundamentally fundamental that was, you think um, kind of, you know, gave them the motivation to pivot or to, you know, explore other approaches.
1: I think they hired way too quickly and hired too many people from outside of, of Apple. And when you're, bringing in a lot of outsiders to Apple from other industries. Sometimes there could be culture clashes. I mean, most people don't know when they acquired Beats, right? Seems like a simple thing to integrate into Apple. There was a major culture clash between the Hollywood folks, the LA folks and the music folks coming into Apple, which is known as a more techie iPhone, you know, data-driven environment, right? And so the same thing happened when they were bringing in people from the car industry. Then they had people overseeing the projects who were not from the car industry, right? So you had people who came from the iPhone, the iPod side of things, the Mac side of things, the watch side of things, overseeing people who came from Detroit, who came from Tesla, who came from all these electric vehicle upstarts and the autonomous technology. They were also way too early in terms of their advances on AI, right? They didn't come from an AI-first approach to building the car, and they were sort of trying to shoehorn that in. And it didn't you know, work entirely well. It's not really easy to translate the skill sets from building an iPhone or a watch or a Mac to building a car per se. And so they ran into a lot of issues there. They ran into issues in terms of regulatory matters. They ran into issues in terms of how they're actually going to build this thing. Uh, They had talked about building it themselves through Foxconn through Magna right which uh, does some manufacturing for a lot of the car makers we know about so there were a lot of complex issues from start to finish and that really delayed the project i mean initially they had these grand goals of trying to you know announce a car by 2018 2019 right 4 years after inception and here we are in mid 2022 and still nothing right the deadlines keep getting pushed back They've already gone through, I believe, five, six or seven different people who've been in charge of the project. They've moved it, the project's organization throughout different areas of the company. It started initially within the larger hardware engineering organization, the same org that does the iPhone and all those other products. Uh, They had it under the artificial intelligence group at one point. They had it reporting directly to Tim Cook at one point. Now it's located beneath the operations group, right under COO, Jeff Williams, with their head of AI and that AI team's contributing and now it's run by kevin lynch who as anyone who covers apple or, or follows apple would know uh, who's sort of in charge of the health and the apple watch ecosystem at apple right so they put the watch and health guy in charge of the car i think that is in that shows some interesting promise because this is the one person at apple who has shown himself to be capable of creating a product and getting it out the door and making it fairly successful if not a smash hit like the watch over the last seven years, but at the same time, I really do think they need some people from the car industry to sort of co-lead that project in order to get it to fruition.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: makes sense. Um,
0: <clears throat> I'm wondering, okay, so after they kind of brought in Mansfeld and they kind of had this pivot, um, a few years later, they also brought in Doug's, Doug Fields who led the whole Model th- or Model 3 program at Tesla. So this is, I mean, at that point I was like, you know, this is. it seems like it's getting interesting. Um, what happened like how did things like it seems like things didn't progress as fast as you know what they might have hoped during that Mansfield and Doug field period. So kind of during that kind of period what what went on?
1: I think what happened was is that obviously there was that sort of uh, tussle between Elon Musk and Doug Field right in 2017, 2018. there were some issues surrounding the Model 3 program and some of those other costs. And then Doug Field ended up being pushed out of Tesla or leaving Tesla. I don't recall exactly the circumstances, but I think Apple saw that and sort of jumped on the opportunity to bring Doug Field back into the fold. If you remember, Doug Field was a Mac and hardware VP at Apple before going to Tesla. That was after his Segway days and sort of it made natural sense if Apple's going to try to ramp this car up again they're gonna bring the guy who helped lead the Model 3 into the picture. So they brought him in and things were seemed to be fine for about a year and a half, two years. They were getting closer to the point of talking to supply chain partners, manufacturers, really coming up with a vision for the car and really getting closer to really having a roadmap of what to do here. But then 2021, end of 2020, things really started to crumble right, under Doug Field's leadership at Apple. Deadlines were being missed. Uh, Deadlines were being delayed. Optimism for the project waned. And then you saw the Apple car management team. And when I see management team, that's the group of men and women under Doug Field who are running the whole project. It's sort of Doug Field's Apple car executive team, right? That executive team under Doug Field two years ago, right? To the executive team under Kevin Lynch right now for the Apple car, I would say it's about 90 to 95% different. It's, I believe it's been between 10 and 15 people over the years, but it basically has seen a complete turnover over the last two years, which is remarkable. If you look at Apple's other sort of Skunk Works project, which is the augmented reality uh, headset, what you've seen there is a pretty stable environment for management and you've seen that across Apple's history across all its major product lines the turnover in Apple car in the Apple cars executive ranks actually you know funny enough seems similar to the turnover in Tesla's executive ranks over the years with people coming and going and such so you know it's, it's been sporadic at best they've lost a lot of good people and they've gained a few good people you know over the last couple of years as well but You know, it has been nothing short of a mess, but I think Kevin Lynch has come in there and he's brought a little bit more stability, brought some people from operations and the AI world, uh, as well as the Apple Watch teams. Right. Not that really an Apple Watch is really comparable to a car, but they are trying to bring some stability there. And they still have these later this decade goals of shipping a car. The question to me is are they going to hold off till they're able to do a level four level five car right really realizing on that dream of full autonomous driving or are they going to do something similar to tesla autopilot level two level three obviously that's arguable and come out with a really coolly designed car with a great user interface right get ahead of autonomy set the framework set the stage just like elon musk is doing and really compete with tesla on the existing parameters
0: yeah. Um, do you think in some ways like Tesla releasing not just the Model 3, but then actually delivering on the Model 3, getting it below $40,000 at one point and really just kind of doing, I want to say doing what Apple would have done, but really taking this design ethos, the hardware and the software, the user experience, all of that together, did that, do you think put Apple at a pause and say, wait a minute, Tim Cook is adamant in only going to feel that they can contribute significantly in when Apple, Tesla went in and did what looked like kind of almost an Apple move with hardware, um, software, and UX. Um, do you think that gave a pause to, to Apple and said, wait a minute, we're not sure anymore if there's, you know, if it's an open field like it was before?
1: I don't think it's only Tesla, to be honest with you. I mean, I think Tesla is the biggest name. And incomparably the most exciting name in the EV and the autonomy space right now. But it's not just them. If you step back and you look at Apple's competitors in general, two of their biggest competitors are Google, right, and Amazon. And they, as we all know, are playing quite significantly uh, in the automotive space, right, with Amazon, with their investments right? As well as Google with Waymo. And the way I look at the Apple ecosystem is that at this point, given Apple's size and how many customers it has and the competition, they really have to sort of dabble in everything to keep that ecosystem locked in. I'll I'll give you an example I give often, right? So let's say Samsung has this really cool new product. Let's say it's the the fold, the foldable phone, right? And Apple lacks a foldable phone, right? If an iPhone user who has an iPhone, iPad who has a apple tv box uh who has a mac and you know other apple devices a uh, HomePod wants to get the foldable phone because they think it's really cool so they switch from their iphone to the foldable phone right then they see the samsung tablet they see the samsung smart speaker they uh, see the other samsung laptops and the other samsung devices you slowly as a competitor can chip away at the apple ecosystem as well as their services and software ecosystem right by just having one cool thing and if Google, if Amazon, if Tesla start peeling people away from the Apple ecosystem device by device, Apple could have a problem on its hands. And so what they really need is a tech product in every category. They need a product in every place that people spend in their lives. Uh, some research that I read recently is that people spend over an hour and a day in the US on average in their car, right? That's an hour of time that Apple could be losing a consumer to the Tesla user interface, to Waymo to Amazon, right? Maybe Samsung will do automotive one day, right? And so I think their initiative in CarPlay, which I know we're gonna talk about, and their work on an Apple Car, plays into you know, meeting that gap. And quite frankly, I think they should have done more to this point in a real you know, car hardware to date, right? I think that Apple has the means and the ability to really make a car on par with the three or the Y or something even, you know dare I say, potentially better given that their expertise in in hardware and software. Obviously, that's a long, you know, roadmap. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But I do think Apple has the means to be able to pull off an electric car. And it is a shame they haven't been able to introduce anything today. And it's, you know, odd to me that they're not even close at this
0: point. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into this a bit. So yeah, it's been like, what, seven or eight years and Apple, you know, um, doesn't have a car out. And it still seems, you know, quite a far way out. The question begs me is like, does Apple really want to make a car? Like, meaning, it takes a lot of risk, you know, to go all in in building this hardware. This it where it's life and death. If it has safety issues, you have recalls, and it's just a mess, right? And like to go into the auto market, which is a cutthroat, low margin market. Apple really, really want needs to want want it. They need to really, you know have that commitment and my question is does Apple really have that right now or is it again what you're saying this kind of dabbling needing to have products in all categories so just trying to find a way where they don't lose you know the auto market completely and if that's the case wouldn't just car play in existing OEM cars be more of the practical the safer route for them to go
1: well I, I think what you're seeing now is you're seeing dual tracks right you're seeing the Apple car hardware on one side and you're seeing the new generation car play uh on the other side right? And I think the ideal for Apple would be to stay on this next generation CarPlay track for the next four or five years or so, and then replace that track with its ultimate car uh, down the road. And if that ultimate car doesn't work out yet again, they still have that CarPlay and it can keep building up from there. At the same time, they can use that CarPlay to gather data and knowledge on car manufacturing, car infrastructure, how the car works, and gather data on, you know, all the things that you would wanna know on how a car functions, right? All those partnerships. And also building these car play initiatives allows them to have these meetings and work hand in hand with car engineers from other companies and executives from other companies and sort of have those natural conversations about car hardware partnerships, car uh, component deals, car manufacturing deals, licensing deals down the road. So I think the two fit uh, you know, very nicely together. My sense is that Apple has been ramping up hiring quite significantly on the car hardware itself. So I do strongly believe that that car hardware uh, initiative is still in the works and it is going full force. I do think it's probably gonna be three to five years before we even see an introduction. But if you step back and you look at the Apple-Tesla comparison, I went to the Peterson uh, Automotive Museum Uh, Recently, and they actually have the first model S in there. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the first model S was dated 2008. It's 2022 at this point. So, in the last 14, 15 years, you know, Tesla has done the model S, right? They've done the model Y, they've done the model three, they have the Roadster announced, they have the Cybertruck announced, all these other uh, car programs announced right and apple has been going at this car program with a few thousand engineers at this point for what seven eight years and they have basically nothing at this point uh to show for it obviously they're not as public with their work uh as tesla is and as other automotive makers are but still i do think that apple should have more to show for the last you know eight years of development time than they do today i think the promising thing we've seen uh out of apple's you know car initiatives to date is probably that new car play
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think the first Model S, I guess the prototype, I thought it was shown around the IPO time or, but in 2010, but I'm not sh- exactly sh- yeah, sure about that. Um, 2010, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So with Tesla, they, you know, put out the Roadster. They put out the Model S, the X and, you know, three, they kind of, you um, know, uh, They didn't work in closed doors meaning they had a car shipped you know on the road why doesn't apple try something like that where they actually ship something like they actually make a car even if it's a limited version you know and high price so they get that experience or is apple just waiting for kind of like a mass-produced you know kind of model three or y competitor just to go at it uh, from the get-go
1: Yeah, they're waiting for a a mass-produced car. At this point, I think that the form factor of a car that they're shooting for is something that's more of a crossover between a Model Y and uh, a canoe, right? Sort of a Model Y with the canoe-like experience where you have like the limousine-like seating and you really don't need a steering wheel or pedals. Remember Elon Musk was talking up uh, the idea of eventually shipping a Tesla without pedals or a steering wheel, right? Apple really wants to get there with Gen 1. I just don't see that happening in the next five to seven years, especially because of the regulatory situations that you mentioned, right? Apple has a $350 billion per year iPhone, iPad, Mac and services business, right? They can't afford to do anything that's going to hurt that. What can hurt that? car accidents, people getting killed in their cars, serious regulatory issues with an Apple car. So there's so much risk at hand where they really can't afford to screw it up at the get-go. They can't have these NTSB hearings. They can't have any of these situations that you've seen Tesla have, which for Tesla, obviously, these are very bad things, but they're a car company at heart. And all they do is cars and car-related programs and services. So that's really not avoidable. Apple really needs to figure out a way to really get it right, on gen one, uh, in order to avoid all of that. And one way to do that is sort of to kick the can down the road a bit for autonomy, do something a little bit closer to what Tesla is doing, not with FSD, but with the included autopilot. And maybe just one day, maybe Apple can get something close to FSD or get FSD. I just don't see that happening imminently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you think Apple is interested or will be interested at all in acquiring a company? So there's different obvious options. You can go OEM, like, you know, that might be struggling if there's a recession, or you can go one of these new car companies like a Rivian or Lucid, especially their stock is down tremendously. They might have some ramp uh, challenges. So maybe Apple can pick them up, you know, at a decent price. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about kind of Apple, you know, acquiring another company?
1: I have this theory that they're gonna buy Canoe, right? Canoe is running very low on cash. Uh, based on everything I've read, they probably don't have you know, the best management and leadership. But I think some of the ideas they have there, maybe some of the patents and other IP and experience they have, maybe car-specific operations people, car-specific software people, uh, car-specific upholstery and in internal and external materials people, right? So I think what you're probably gonna see from Apple are acquisitions that are more like accu-hires from Canoe. Maybe if, you know Rivian and Lucid and some of these other car companies don't see success and they look to be acquired you know, down the road in the future, especially given everything that's going on in the economy i think that could serve as a big opportunity for apple don't forget apple has about 200 billion dollars in cash right just a little under that and so many other resources they can take out debt they can sell stock they can do whatever they need to get money they can afford to acquire some of these companies and they can afford to make major investments set up test centers and really you know you know buy their way into a car company and and really get something done that's quite nice i think Mm -hmm. that a Apple car with a amazing industrial design, cool interior, uh, great user experience, great software integration. Uh, I think that even without full autonomy, I think that could make a nice uh, competitor to Tesla. I think anything Apple does in the car space will be quite niche from the get-go. I would guess that they're not gonna release a car for under $100,000 uh, at, at this point, but I think they will try to simplify it with one model to start And go from there over time and sort of expand the product lineup portfolio over time like they've done with their other products. But I think the one, you know, mistake they probably made, let me take that back. I think they've made many mistakes in their car initiatives over the last, you know, several years. But I think the one, you know, major mistake they've made is they've compared their work in the car too much to a phone, a watch, a Mac. Right, they. I think they've looked at it too much, like just an additional product in our portfolio, whereas a car, as you know, is a completely different beast. Maybe spinning off a car into you know its own other company and its own subsidiary, maybe that helps them work around some of these issues they've been having. Really coming across with a new culture and a new way of thinking uh, to build this car separate than what a real iPhone or iPad like device is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally jive with or resonate with that point. Meaning, there's a lot of complexity. In building a car, you know, <laughs> you need like storage service centers. You have warranties. You need charging. You have factories and suppliers and all this stuff. And it seems like you know, just to put that underneath, uh, you know, Apple as a product category that you know they don't want to lose right to other people. And it seems like I don't say underestimating, but it, yeah, if you're t- gonna take it seriously, it needs to be a, a huge effort with that ambition to follow. Um, And it reminds me a little bit about like um, back in the day, John Gruber from Daring Fireball, he wrote a blog post about the Apple roll, how Apple will start with a kind of a really tight product, whether it's the the initial iPod or the initial iPhone. And then they'll basically uh, build off of that, you know, to make it into something just amazing and and hard to compete against. It seems though like with Apple, you know, to create that first product that they could roll with. it seems like it's a different beast when you have already like a Tesla that does have a great product already, you know, at a cheap price. It's like, who's going to buy a car that's like, I don't know, double the price of a Tesla, you know um, what do you, what, what, what's your take on that? Like how can Apple really release a car and build on that when there's already kind of air sucked out of the room, you know, by other innovators like Tesla?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that tight integration between an Apple car and their existing products, right. Make it something that's, you know, really emphasized for iPhone users. Don't forget they have over a billion iPhones already out there being actively used in, I think 1.6 or 1.7 billion active devices. So the Apple brand is so strong. I think that car would sell. I think in terms of uh, comparison, maybe in terms of luxury pricing wise could be closer to something like a Lucid, right. Which obviously is a, quite a bit more expensive than most of the Tesla models. Uh, One interesting thing about Apple and one reason this might be taking so long is Apple has done a version of everything you need uh, to be a successful car manufacturer or car seller, uh, but they've done it for their existing products. So I'll give you an example. What's one really key thing you need for a car? Well, you need a sales engine, right? You need leasing. You need those types of things. Right. And so Apple obviously has done that for their existing products. You need repair shops. Right. You need retail. They've done retail. They've done iPhone repair shops. Right. You need insurance. Right. They've done that for the iPhone. So they've done a lot of the things that you need for a car, but on a much different scale. Right. With the phone and the pad and everything like that. And so what you're going to want to see is Apple replicate all of that for the car. Right? they'll need their own operations group for the car right you'll need your own retail and online sales infrastructure for the car right and being able to build that up for expected apple quality and apple volumes is going to take a lot of time i mean i'm sure you know how long it took tesla to get their uh, repair center ecosystem up to snuff i still see people complaining about their repairs and the mobile repair centers and all that so Apple's is really going to have to replicate the whole idea of a genius bar and product leasing and sales and all of that for a car, right? And that could take just as much time as developing the car itself. And so maybe that is one factor there too.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, so let's talk about CarPlay. So, CarPlay is this other approach, right, that Tesla or Apple is doing to work with OEMs um, where you basically Kind of mirror your iPhone, you know, onto a screen. You're able to navigate, use the Maps app, um, music, you know, entertainment, different things like that. Um, and overall, I mean, there's a couple impressions I have of it. First, is it has taken quite a long time to roll out, you know, over the years. Like when I, I don't know when was the uh, CarPlay first announced? I think it was like a long time ago, right? Yeah, so
1: CarPlay was first announced in 2013, okay. so nine years ago, but it didn't start rolling out until 2014, mm-hmm. and the first car that it launched with was Ferrari, so obviously your your scale and your market share there started very slim. Uh, I think it's in most you know vehicles at this point, with Tesla being one of the major loan holdouts at this point, yeah. uh, I would love to get into that and some of the rationale behind that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, CarPlay has pretty big distribution at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, that was my second impression is that now that it's been some time and manufacturers have adopted CarPlay, um, it's still kind of confusing why a lot of new cars only have wired CarPlay, like they're still moving over to wireless CarPlay, which right. yeah, is there any rationale behind that of like why that is? Yeah.
1: I think maybe some car makers, one, might be afraid of latency, which I've used wireless play before, and it's not really a major issue for me. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is component cost, right, and also handing off more control uh, to Apple. I know a lot of people, I get questions all the time, is Tesla going to finally adopt CarPlay? As someone who has a Tesla and someone who you know lives and breathes the Apple ecosystem, I'd absolutely love that. But as someone who considers himself to be somewhat intelligent, I think that would be an absolutely foolish move on the part of Tesla. And you would basically be handing over your integrated and linked ecosystem over to Apple, a company that wants to ultimately destroy you. So I think Tesla yeah. is pretty smart for not giving up control uh, to Apple at this point. Nobody's not buying a Tesla because it lacks CarPlay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, I would imagine a lot of people would uh, like carplay in their tesla just to get access to you know their um their music better or i mean bluetooth works okay i guess integrated you know carplay would be better but as you're saying it seems like elon and his team are keenly aware of what giving up or including carplay would do right that would basically be inviting Apple to take over a big part of the UI and UX, and that once you let that in, how do you stop it? You know, it's like as yeah. as as Apple grows, right? Their functionality, people want it more and more until, yeah, it's a tough one. I think it would
1: be very um, foolish on on Musk and, and Tesla to open up uh, the Tesla to CarPlay. I think they just need to keep improving it. Um, right. I think the latest user interface that Tesla has done with the new nav bar at the bottom and some of the other bells and whistles they put in there, uh, I think it's getting quite good. Um, I love the new CarPlay user interface, though, and the way it's going to take advantage of more displays in the car, I think some of the widgets they have, and the personalization and customization they have on the instrument clusters and other elements of the car, I think that's really nifty. I think it's probably going to be two years before we can actually even try it out in person, but yeah. I'm very excited to do so. And I think anyone who's in a, a car that supports that next-gen CarPlay uh, is going to be very happy uh i love the new mercedes i believe it's the eqs the electric s-class right the 450 or 500 i forgot the, the number that has that massive display in the middle and the display over the wheel so i think that you know the new carplay is probably destined pretty quickly for those uh electric mercedes and i i can't wait to test drive that and check out how it works in person
0: yeah yeah i recently um picked up maybe this was about five months ago an ic car because i have to tow um, a car behind my rv uh during like i take these long summer rv trips with my uh, kids and um, i couldn't tow a tesla so i got an ic car and it has wireless carplay and i'm just like when i use it um it's 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 great it it without it the car is almost point or or the user interface is pointless it's almost like i can't do anything in the car right Right. (laughs) it's like music uh, navigation all this stuff but with it it actually makes the car into something uh, quite usable um and it seems to me that apple has gained leverage over the years with oems where oems don't have an alternative like navigation system or you know operating system. So they've kind of relied on Apple and Google to provide that, right? So people can now go in and have a modern experience, but auto OEMs don't have that on their own. Do you foresee some type of, I don't know, tension going forward? Because here you have, like, as I was saying, it's kind of like feature creep, right? Apple has gotten in uh, for our CarPlay. Now they want more of that, right? UX in the car uh, because people are in the car so much, but then the auto OEMs, they're like, do we really want to give that up right, completely to um, Apple? So what's your take on that?
1: So I think there's a few factors at play here. One, I think there's the Android versus iPhone conversation and competition there. I think Apple sees the car as a, as a serious battleground. And obviously, Android has Android Auto and Android uh, Automotive. For those unfamiliar, Android Auto is or car CarPlay where you plug your phone in and you get that Android-like experience. Android Automotive is where you actually have the Android operating system built into the car, whereas maybe in a Ford or another car previously, you had QNX built in or another one of those operating systems. And so I think Apple wants to ultimately compete with Android Automotive and maybe license or sell a car OS operating system to these car makers, have the car makers pay them for it and Apple can generate money and they can really make the car 3rd party cars the first time where apple's distributing its own operating system to non-apple hardware so i think there's a money-making play down the road there i think there's a competitive play trying to compete uh, with android i think there's an ecosystem stickiness play where you have this really cool car os operating system or carplay ecosystem and that's another reason why you want to stay with your phone your iPhone, your Apple device, because you know how it works, you like how it looks, and it's integrated with your car, and you're not gonna switch away to Android and have to learn a whole nother car operating system. So there are several factors there. And then the other factor at play is the learning, the data, the infrastructure that they may need to build that car ultimately. And then down the road, 10, 15 years from now, you might be in a situation as Apple where you sell your own car, Right, But at the same time, you're also basically owning the third party cars, the cars that are not actually distributed by Apple. And I think the extremely long-term play here is that Apple's gonna wanna own the entire road here. And that way, they can compete with Tesla not only for their own sold car hardware, but they can compete with Tesla and all these other car makers by also owning the in-car experience in everyone else's cars if you don't own an Apple car. So I think that's why they have that dual-track approach. It is very smart. It is taking forever, but I see the clear angle here what Apple's shooting for. You're either going to be able to have two great paths that you can potentially choose from or you have a great plan B path, just car play, or you're in a situation where you own the whole road. Right, so I think the the future for the car uh, could potentially be very strong for Apple. I'm interested if Tesla might eventually take an Apple-like approach and try to license their car UX and their software and their user experience uh, to other cars as well, and try to compete with CarPlay, try to compete with Android Auto on and Android Automotive.
0: Yeah, I mean that's definitely uh, an interesting uh, market or play um, because Tesla has right their FSD program, Autopilot. Um, they already have the, the UX. I mean, it all comes down to, like, how desperate these OEM, you know, car makers are, whether, you know, to, for them to he- seed over, right, this whole uh, user experience inside. But it's possible, like, you know, Tesla does a revenue share, you know, where they're like, hey, if, you know, The option cost, you know, 12,000 bucks, you get 6,000, you get 6,000. Or if it's the monthly, like you split the monthly cost or something where the auto OEMs are like, hey, this is pretty lucrative, you know, um, just to add Tesla. yeah.
1: And I think these car makers are starting to not have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. I think secretly one of the reasons why Apple announced this new CarPlay basically two or three years in advance not only to sort of be the ones to introduce it but also to be put to put pressure on the car makers it's very possible they didn't have final agreements in place with these car makers now you have all these consumers all these fans of different brands whether it's mercedes or audi or porsche or whatever you know you know hound those car manufacturers to make sure they support the next generation CarPlay and letting those companies know, hey, we're not buying this car. We're not going to stick in this Porsche or Audi ecosystem unless you implement that new CarPlay. If you don't, we're going to take our money and buy a different car. So I think Apple's going to put the pressure on the car makers to adopt a technology that, you know, Apple eventually will use to sort of outdo uh, those partners.
0: Yeah, definitely. When I was shopping for my IC car uh, several months ago, my number one feature was wireless CarPlay. If it didn't have that, it, like I would not touch the car, you know, it was like that important. Right. Um, yeah, definitely pressure. Um, let's talk about this next generation CarPlay. When I saw the um, WWC, WWDC keynote and I saw that CarPlay section, I'm like, wow, this is actually really like a big move on Apple. This isn't just improving CarPlay. This is the next... Evolution, next stage, next generation of CarPlay, much more ambitious. Um, so, for those who aren't aware, can you kind of go over kind of what are the key features of this next generation CarPlay? And I'm also curious, like, um, and we've touched on a, on a bit, but like, is the goal for Apple just to continue to you know take over the interface? But it seems like you know it's not just the infotainment interface now. That now they're going into the system controls interface, right? Um, and it's basically, that's the entire user interface in a sense, right? The system controls and the infotainment. So this is a move to take over what they haven't taken over yet, right, in the car. Um, so yeah, if you can kind of detail a bit more for you know people watching kind of what the next generation CarPlay really is doing.
1: Yeah, Dave, that's exactly right. So let me explain CarPlay today for those unfamiliar. You plug your phone in over the cable or wirelessly and what you get is phone, maps, calendar, uh, some settings. Get a little home screen customization, and then you get your media, you get uh, audiobooks. you can get Spotify in there. You can also get your messaging apps and you can get of course, Apple music, all your media stuff, your entertainment stuff. But what you can't get are sort of the core elements of controlling your car. You can't get your AC. Right? You can't get your instrument clusters changing speed. You can't see you know, how fast you're going or your charge level or your battery level. Uh, and you can't control your terrestrial radio built into the car. And so what Apple has done is they've created a new version of CarPlay that can control the entire car itself. You can replace the entire car user interface and operating system. The software, the OS, the UX that you see in your instrument clusters above the steering wheel, Right, that could be replaced. Uh, with the Apple interface. So I'll give you an example. If you have an Audi, I used to drive an Audi, so I can tell you, I would be constantly switching between the Audi operating system and the CarPlay operating system. I would do all my media and my phone stuff and map stuff through CarPlay, right? But then I would need uh, my Audi user interface, the operating system built into that car uh, to control the radio, to control temperature, to control everything else. My instrument clusters, that was all an Audi user interface. So you basically had two competing OSs in the car. Apple basically has a new CarPlay operating system for the car that can do everything, right? Replace everything with one OS. In some ways it's safer because you're not moving in back and forth between two different operating systems while you're trying to drive. In other ways, this is showing a complete takeover of the car experience by Apple. It is these car makers essentially ceding control of their cars operations to Apple, a company that by the way, is also building a car with the goal of putting you out of business. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so okay my big question with with um this next generation carplay is um do you think it can run without a phone like without connecting with iphone like will there be a separate chip on board and software on board that basically takes over all of the system controls the speed you know the speedometer the climate all that stuff um where let's say you lose your or you you yeah, uh they lose your phone or something, or you leave it somewhere, can you still drive the car you think with Apple's, you know, UX in the car? Or will it be this thing where you have to have your phone near you and it then it loads up somehow, you know, the the OS. So you have two OSs, you have the OEMs, right, system control OS, and then you have Apple's system, right, control OS. Is it two things or is it just one? What's your kind of take on that?
1: So I think this initial version of the next-gen CarPlay, at least how they've described it and announced it based on what I heard, uh, it is iPhone-connected as CarPlay is today. And that's CarPlay, and that's the equivalent to Android Auto in the ecosystem there, right? But I also think down the road what they really want to do is also have that Android Automotive, that QNX, that competitor, and replace the core operating system in the car with their own CarOS, let's call it right and have that fully replace the built-in audi interface the built-in ford or porsche interface and you don't need the phone i assume most people will have their phone with them regardless right but there are huge benefits of having the operating system built into the car itself benefits for both or not both for apple the consumer and the car oem in some respects let me start with the consumer one if you forget your phone for some reason uh if you want to really quickly you know, get the show on the road and not plug the phone in if you need to move quickly right there's benefits to speed right and accessibility for the consumer for apple you're owning more of the ecosystem you're owning more and more and more and more you're turning any car into an apple car per se now for the oem development of car operating systems development of components and such and compatibility in those cars it's a very expensive initiative it's not to it's very difficult to do i should say and a lot of car companies just don't do it well that's why this space where CarPlay became a thing was created. CarPlay wouldn't be necessary if the car operating systems before CarPlay were nice to use and easy and intuitive, right? And so I think it can make things cheaper for these car manufacturers because they don't have to worry about operating system development. They don't have to worry about compatibility and this components. You can sort of offload it to Apple. So I think an eventual Car OS is what comes after this next generation CarPlay, right? Based on the next generation CarPlay interface. And I think that's a very promising way for car manufacturers to save money and potentially make some margins off of that. For Apple to make some money off of royalties, right? And have additional ownership and management of those cars and that ecosystem. And for consumers having a better overall faster experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it, Do you, um, does Apple charge a royalty for each of kind of the CarPlay kind of Uh, things that come or CarPlay that gets installed in each car by OEMs? No, no,
1: Apple doesn't charge based on everything I've heard. They don't charge a royalty, uh, which is a little confusing to me when I heard that because I remember there was a time where BMW was charging, uh, I believe it was $20 a month or some $200 fee, something with a two at some point to get people to pay for CarPlay. But it doesn't seem like Apple's charging uh, OEMs for royalties. However, if Apple is going to start installing an operating system that does not require the phone, inside of a third party car, obviously they're gonna charge royalties in that scenario.
0: So what you describe here um, seems to be CarPlay 1.0, let's say it's just the infotainment. CarPlay 2.0, let's say it moves to taking over you know, the system controls. Let's call CarPlay, I guess we can call call it CarPlay 3.0 is where you don't need a phone at all, right? And you're just, you have you know the whole car OS in the car already. Um, would Car would would CarPlay 4.0 be the addition of autonomous driving software into that car OS? That's very interesting. So I do think that is
1: something they've discussed internally. If they're not willing or able to pull off a full end-to-end car experience where it's like a Tesla, it's an all-in-one package, you know, there is the scenario where they could offload or license autonomous functionality to third-party cars as well. I don't think they're going to do that. I think CarPlay 4.0 is the full car. Apple has never gone into a territory of releasing individualized hardware uh, for another uh, company's products. Obviously, they haven't done that with software either, but the car is a little bit different because they don't have a player there at this point. So I don't think so. Uh, Just my, my gut guess right now, it's certainly possible. Obviously Apple's doing a lot of different things these days and past history obviously is not always indicative of future plans or performance or or what you're going to do there uh so as we've seen with the stock market lately so i think definitely uh it's a possibility but i would i would guess against it
0: yeah i mean it reminds me a little bit with um android automotive um not android auto but the automotive um one when I, i think i first saw it on a Polestar, this is like when it first came out and it was just really crazy because they're really, it's an ambitious, you know, OS on the car, controlling almost everything. Um, and I immediately thought that, you know, this is, it just seems like it's, honestly, it's a Trojan horse, but it just seems as a segue to perhaps Google offering the next kind of big software, you know, feature to that system, which would be autonomous driving. Of course, you would need a lot more integration with cameras and sensors, etc cetera. Um, but I mean, it, it could be quite a while down the road for that. But it just seems like, you know, maybe Apple and Google compete with the in the car by not just offering the car OS, but offering this extra superpower, right? That supposedly maybe only Apple and I won't say only, but only compared to the OEMs, right? Apple with and Google with their software chops and AI can bring in that too, right? The driving experience. Um, yeah and then it p- it pits all of them against Tesla as well right so you have you know um Tesla maybe competing with licensing right their their OS and their FSD to other OEMs as well so it's an interesting definitely field um coming up
1: Yeah this this conversation is really making me think that Tesla maybe you know would be smart or brilliant even to sort of expand their purview over the car ecosystem by you know obviously having this you know intense focus on developing new vehicles and such but also at the same time sort of having this dual track where they create tesla play right or a way to integrate uh, that tesla display and that tesla operating system and ecosystem and management of the car to other car makers offload that technology and save those car makers money, but also make money off of that themselves and offer those Tesla services. And then also maybe figure out a way to get FSD on third-party cars and really be able to not only own, you know, their car, but also own cars from third parties as well. And that could be a really strong way, uh, to really generate more revenue and, and grow the company. You know, it's interesting. I think Apple, this is so, of all the major Apple products, I think the Apple TV box and the Apple TV ecosystem is probably one of the least impressive products Apple has ever made. You know, they've said that it's no longer a quote-unquote hobby like it was in the beginning, but you know, truth be told, it is absolutely, you know, not the showstopper the iPhone, iPad may be. But I also think it's a little bit of a preview of what you're seeing Apple potentially do in the car. Oddly enough, just follow me here. So Apple has the Apple TV box. Which is their full integrated experience? Their you know two hundred dollar overpriced box, right? And it's fine, whatever. They also are now licensing the Apple TV software and some of user interface elements to third party TVs, right? I believe that's the only Apple product where you have your in house hardware, but you also have that dual track where you're licensing that software, right? And that ser- those services and that ecosystem to third party products. I think that's what they're going to do in the car. Right? You have your in house car, that overpriced box, that vehicle, their hardware, all integrated. And then you have that licensing of some of that technology and software and other elements of the ecosystem to third party models.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Apple TV uh, comparison is interesting because um, would you say the reason Apple never got into making an Apple like real TV? is because of margins and just kind of it's just they saw the you know trajectory of where all this all the TVs are headed it's just low margin getting cheaper and cheaper eventually yeah you have these crazy big TVs for like 400 bucks or something and Apple like that just isn't sexy and plus you keep your TV for a long time typically so it's like they're like when they look at the TV they're like we like the experience we want to own part of that, you know, viewing experience, but we don't like the hardware side of it. Therefore, they kind of kept with their Apple TV box for the longest time and now perhaps licensing. Um, in a similar way, you know, could Apple be looking at the car business in a similar way, saying we don't like the hardware low margin, you know, th- we just want to stay away. But we want that experience. We want to be part of that experience. Therefore, we have CarPlay and all this other stuff, right? Kind of like the Apple TV experience. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if Apple doesn't even make a TV, how can they, like, why would they, I want to say, why would they make a car? But um, it seems like something scared away Apple from the TV. I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, I'm sure you followed Apple TV for a decade, <laughs> all the people claiming, you know, Apple is going to make a TV. So why didn't Apple make a TV, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're certainly right. It's very possible some of those factors scare Apple away from a TV or like they scared away from a TV, they might scare them away from a car. I think it's a little bit different, though. So I think Apple looks at the problem with the TV is twofold. Uh, Margins, one, two, upgrade cycles right? This TV I had behind me, I've had for five years now. I would imagine I have it probably for another five years. That's 10 years. I think that's at least the average people may hold on to TVs. I think Apple looks at a TV as no different than appliance, like your dishwasher or your refrigerator uh, or your toilet, you know? So I think that's the issue with the TV. Now, while TVs are low margin, they're also fairly low revenue right those tvs probably don't top three thousand dollars and so i think the difference is while a car might be low margin it's also extraordinarily high revenue and there's really nothing else that is going to double out revenues other than a car how do you get from 350 billion a year to 700 billion a year well maybe having that car business ultimately over time would do that i think the other thing in the favor of apple building a car is that upgrade cycles on cars are i think different right i mean there are people who hold on their to their cars for you know 5 10 20 50 even you know 75 years right you, i see, sometimes see some very very old cars rolling around uh, but i think this idea of car leasing and 3 year upgrade cycles on cars is very big so i have my model y in a 3 year lease i fully expect to get a new whatever Tesla is to replace when my lease is up after three years, right? So I think Apple could really push a car uh, with a leasing program in a subscription-like program, just like Tesla is trying to do. And obviously other car companies have been selling these three-year leases for, for generations, right? So I think the fa- in favor for a car that makes it different than a TV is both the shorter upgrade cycles, uh, as well as the the strong revenues. I'll probably have three or four different cars over the same lifetime that I have that TV behind me. So I think there is you know, that difference there. At the same time, the margins issue is very real. Uh, the cost, uh, the manufacturing know-how, the complexity, the regulatory factors, uh, the risk involved with having a car company within Apple, those are all certainly still there and you can't really take that away.
0: Mm, got it. Um, okay, so going back to, let's uh, say, uh, Apple's um, autonomous driving efforts, um, are, are there, really much evidence that you've come across with that Apple is super serious about autonomous driving. I know they have like I think what 69 or so Lexus SUVs registered in California. They have hundred and whatever fifty test drivers, etc. But besides that, I mean a lot of companies, you know, have stuff like that, but are they really serious about autonomous driving and how far have they progressed? I mean, for me, the biggest sign that there what there was some seriousness was like I think they poached or they I don't say post, but they hired Stuart Bowers, who was part of the AI team, um, actually presented at AI Day, the first one. Um, I think he was handling more of the software deployment into the car um, infrastructure. But yeah, that signaled kind of, you know, some seriousness. Also, Apple's kind of, you know, involving kind of their AI division and oversight into the uh, um, Apple car team also signals that. But I don't know, just any insight i don't say insight into but any insight into kind of apple's seriousness with autonomous driving
1: i think they are extremely serious i think that this project was mostly born or revamped generation 2 of their their car team in 2016 under bob mansfield was sort of revamped under this ai first approach and then you saw the car move team move under apple's ai group And they have hundreds, if not thousands of people in their AI group, their special projects group, working on the AI-related autonomous driving problems and technology for this future car, right? So I think AI is at the very core of what they're building here. I don't know this, but I would imagine they're not tied to that idea of having to launch a fully autonomous car for Gen 1, or quite frankly, I don't think they should be, because I think it's gonna take a little bit longer than they're expecting. Obviously, Stuart Bowers, like you said, has been there, I believe, since 2019, 2020, and he's a big part of their autonomous push there. They have so many of the top brains in the AI industry having worked on that car. Uh, Ian Goodfellow, who was a director of uh, ML and AI at Apple, who famously left recently over their return to office policy, right? He was one of the most, or is one of the most foremost people in all of AI in the world, and he was working you know, on the car project, right? He oversee, oversaw, I should say, at Apple, a team in Zurich, Switzerland, working on some of the underlying AI infrastructure for the car. They have teams all over the world working on the AI components for this car. Uh, certainly, I, the DMV numbers, right, are very difficult to read and you can't really make some serious conclusions from there. <laughs> I've only probably seen slight improvement on those DMV numbers over the years. Uh, But I I still do think AI is a very big part of what they're building there, whether that's for the full-on Apple car like I'm talking about or the idea that you're talking about of sort of licensing or placing that AI technology, that autonomous technology in your CarPlay 4.0 example, which the more I think about it, that is also another
0: perfectly interesting path for Apple uh, to potentially take. Mm, Makes sense. Um, All right, so I want to segue a bit into kind of Apple's – kind of ambitions outside of cars um what are i mean there are some complaints by some people where they're like apple they do incremental improvements they make good products but you know maybe they're disappointed on these big new category defining you know new products um uh, i mean sure you had the airpods and apple watch but you know i mean Some people have expected more, but then other people, you know, they love Apple's focus on services and really just, you know, increasing revenue and and et cetera. Um, What's your take on kind of the status, the state of Apple? Are they as innovative as they were before? Um, And curious, I'm just curious, what are the big new areas that Apple, you know, if so, targeting, right, for this innovation?
1: I think they're innovating in different ways and they're innovating in new areas that may not be uh, as interesting to some people as sort of the innovation they've done in the past. Uh, I think one way to look at it is this rapid expansion of the product lines, right? Under Steve Jobs, I believe you had two iPhone models and one iPad model. Now under Tim Cook, I believe you have four or five different iPhones, Uh, or actually I think it's six or seven, and then you have four or five different iPads, right? You have all these different screen sizes. So if you consider that innovation, sort of the wider ranging product lineups that you have under Tim Cook, that you didn't have under Steve Jobs, I think is quite impressive to the company's bottom line, and it's giving consumers more choice. They're also innovating in new areas, whether that's services like TV and other video programming, podcasting, music, uh, gaming. Uh, they're, They're dabbling in a little bit with Apple Arcade, And then you're seeing you know there's some of their initiatives in health but they've also had some extraordinary misses right so siri that was acquired by apple i believe in 2009 or 2010 and then they turned that into a feature for the iphone at the end of 2011 with the iphone 4s and so in terms of a very interesting voice-based ai service they were three years ahead or four years ahead of the amazon echo right the amazon echo launched four years after Apple. And now I like to say that the Amazon Echo is four years ahead of Apple. So they've completely missed in in voice AI technology and really proving that is a core use case. I think they completely missed in smart speakers as well. Clearly they have, you know, ultimately failed in TV too. There's a TV hardware, as you can see in the market share numbers, like you're seeing from Roku, Amazon, Google, and some of the other providers there. So in terms of Voice AI and living room stuff and smart home stuff, they, they really missed the boat there. And that is quite unfortunate Or they've had great success, obviously, is in Mac. You can see sort of the resurgence of the Mac lately, uh, given, you know, COVID caused a lot of people to buy new machines and such. Apple Silicon certainly has helped as well. Uh, the iPhone is still their bread and butter but like you said things have gone extremely incremental right the iphone 10 launched in 2017 this iphone 13 i have with me is not you know that different or that much more innovative than the iphone 10 you saw 5 years ago samsung is coming up on its fourth generation of foldable phones later this year apple is still not even close to their first generation Uh, I think that their first headset, which will be a mixed reality headset, merging AR and VR, that will go on sale next year. It'll be supremely expensive, supremely high powered and very niche to, I think, you know, uh, you know, (laughs) very intense fans, maybe like you and I and some of, you know, our viewers. And it will not be a particularly hot mainstream seller i think the closest thing that apple has in the pipeline uh to being an extraordinarily innovative new category would probably be their standalone augmented reality glasses right ai or ar only uh lightweight glasses look like ray-bans really the next generation the next big leap in technology uh i think they those are going to be the next big thing for apple for real and i don't think that's coming particularly anytime soon i still think it'll be three to five years minimum Uh, So we are a ways away from seeing that big uh, innovation, right? And if you think about it, the Apple Watch, that's probably the last major thing Apple's done. That came out in 2015, and we may not see that next major big category, the AR glasses, until 2025, 2026. So that's gonna be over 10 years. Whereas with the iPhone uh, and the iPad, you saw that three-year gap. Between the iPad and the watch, you saw that five-year gap. Uh, Between the iPod and the phone, you saw a six-year gap. Between the iMac and the iPod, you saw four-year gap. Uh, so I think there's some work to do, yeah. but maybe costs come down very quickly on the VR headset and it becomes a hit. I I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet in that direction. I would bet the AR glasses are the real uh, long-term product for Apple.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Like Apple to me um, is probably the company I get in terms of their products. I get most excited about after Tesla, just because like I mean. Every iPhone I get, it's just, I'm super impressed by its quality and just, yeah, it's attention to detail. Uh, I love my MacBook Air. I can't wait for, you know, the next gen M2 chip. Um, they just make great products, you know, that like I use every day. Um, but on the flip side, um, yeah, I mean, I guess not every company can be kind of like a, a category, produce a category killer every couple of years. You know? I guess Apple has done a lot. Um, with AirPods, I wanted to ask you this: AirPods Pro, are they coming up with a new version soon, or should I wait uh, to buy <laughs> some updated ones? That's another
1: popular question besides yeah. Tesla CarPlay. Yeah, there'll be new AirPods too uh, coming out towards the fall.
0: Okay,
1: uh, they will have you know a new chip, better uh, sound, better voice uh, control. So you know, I would hold off for those. It's funny because the batteries on these AirPods they only last two or three years. And the last AirPods Pro came out October 2019. It's getting to the point where I need some new AirPods Pro for myself yeah. too, yeah. Uh, so I'm looking out to that. Let me ask you a question. So, yeah. what's your what what's what Tesla do you have? What sort of your Tesla are you gonna get a Cybertruck? What's your long-term uh, plan there in terms of you know your sort of your Tesla product ecosystem?
0: Yeah. So I I mean I started with the Model S back in like uh, beginning of 2014. Got a Model uh, 3 in the beginning of 2018. And then um, I'll probably get a Model Y. I, um, I have one on order um, after this summer, after I do kind of this long trip. And then I'll get a Cybertruck next year. But for me, I get, for me, it's like the motivation is, I would keep my, my three just because I, I like the low-to-the-ground driving experience. But I'm getting, I'm just changing out my cars just because as an investor, I want to test out the next kind of best Tesla product um, just to see if I get any you know insight or experience with that. So Um, yeah, that's kind of my, my thing. And then the thing that, um, excites me the most about Tesla is just their FSD beta program Mm -hmm. and, 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 and seeing the progress of kind of innovation and, and how fast it's improving. Um, I totally recommend, I don't know if they're giving that full self-driving beta to monthly subscribers yet, but I think that would be, once they start releasing it to monthly subscribers, that would be a great time to test it out because you don't have to fork over, you know, Ten thousand or twelve thousand bucks for it. Um, you can try yeah. it out just for a few hundred dollars a month, but that is crazy. I think people are underestimating how far Tesla's come with that. Probably.
1: I have try- I tried out the new Model S yeah. uh, recently at the retail store, and that new display, the swivel display, and some of the controls there, and the new instrument cluster. That thing's amazing. It is just so beautiful inside, with the display in the back, the two screens in the front. Uh, it would be a perfect set of displays for carplay by the way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the speed and the fluidity of the operating system, the Tesla OS on the new Model S, it is night and day compared to my Model Y. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I am excited about maybe getting a Model S one day. Yeah. And I do have a Cybertruck on order. Mm-hmm. Uh just a hundred dollar deposit yeah, yeah i'm not optimistic as you might be about it launching next year but i cannot wait to get behind the wheel on that and ultimately decide if i want one or not yeah. i don't really need two cars so i'll have to come to some sort of decision if i just want i will sell the model y mm-hmm. or give it back and the leasing program, programs get a cyber truck or not get the cyber truck but uh it's a pretty exciting time i think despite everything we've talked about to be someone who sits at the intersection of the Apple and the Tesla ecosystems. Yes. I just wish there was a little bit more crossover.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a couple more questions on Apple. So um, does Apple, do you think Apple should buy Peloton? Um, I don't. I, you don't, I, really? I
1: don't, Peloton, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see the purpose. I think that Apple c- clearly can go in on, you know, fitness software and the fitness services and ecosystem. Uh, In on itself, and I think that if it wanted to have its own home fitness equipment, whether that's treadmills or bikes and such uh, They certainly can go at that by itself with much better fit and finish Why haven't they done anything
0: in that field of home fitness kind of subscription modeling?
1: You know, I think there's some risk there for them, too. I mean, we talk about car accidents and risk that you have in the car, right? But you saw what Tesla went through. Sorry, you saw what Peloton went through with the death of a child and other injuries that people have been sustaining on their equipment, right? I think there's a lot of innate risk there uh, with not a lot of potential long-term benefit for Apple. So I think they're quite happy with the watch. I think they're, not think, uh, I know they're bringing the, as they announced, the fitness app. Uh, to the iPhone now, right, where you can sort of track your activity with the red movering in there too now. Um, So I think they're happy for now with the watch and the phone uh, there. I think Peloton is so muddled up with operational inefficiency. Uh, Their brand has been tarnished in, in some respects, and I think they have so many issues that even at a, you know, bottom barrel price, uh, I don't think it's particularly worth
0: it for Apple. I think if they wanted, they could just replicate what Peloton's doing at a lower cost. Yeah, that makes sense. I just feel like um, Apple, I mean, with Tim Cook saying like, he thinks health is going to be the big area you know, that that Apple leaves a legacy in. I just feel like there could be a lot more stuff that Apple could do in that field, even right now. I feel right like now. by her, um, playing. Yeah. Um, and... Uh,
1: yeah. Right, my Siri just went
0: off. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, it just seems like you know, I'm sure you got the watch, but the watch to me is like not the most, I- it's like, um, what do I call the watch? The, the Apple watch is, um, because of its small, uh, screen size, it just is not the ideal fitness accessory. It's, it's a fi- fitness accessory, right? Or el- a health accessory, but, um, it has some limitations. So it seems like, yeah, I mean, there could be a ton of things that Apple does. And one of them is like hardware, right? Um, and, Peloton has proven out, you know, a subscription model that rakes in a lot of monthly, you know, revenue and Apple, it's totally in their game to create this kind of operating system content engine, right. For fitness, not just for bikes. Let's say they do it across the board and they don't even have to make the equipment, right. They could, you know, just provide the store, right. And for, for all this other equipment, why, why don't they, they do stuff like that? They should do it. Maybe something like CarPlay for fitness, like Fitness. Yeah, exactly. Play, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: And license it to the existing ecosystem of fitness equipment, right? Have mm-hmm. Fitness Plus, the Apple operating system and display built in. And then maybe one day they become fascinated enough or learn enough about the area where they sort of want to create their own treadmill and their own, yeah, exactly. you know, and whatnot, right? So I think this approach that we've talked about about these dual tracks is probably applicable to so many different future categories for apple and you know that's what's exciting about apple is that there will always be another new category
0: mm-hmm. yeah interesting um are you um uh are you how bullish are you on apple over the next 10 years
1: i'm quite bullish on apple yeah. i do think in the next 10 years we will get those uh, ar glasses and i do think we will get a car in some form And I think that is going to be exciting I'm hopeful for, you know, Apple to get into the foldables game, right? If I wasn't glued to the Apple ecosystem and iMessage, I would probably have a Samsung Fold by now. I think that thing is, uh, it's the ultimate device for me, right? Uh, Definitely want a larger iPad, maybe a 14-inch or 15-inch iPad Pro. Uh, I think this 12-inch MacBook Pro that they're working on is gonna be cool. I think what they're doing in processing in chips with the M1, the M2, and the M3 and M4 and whatever BMW uh, name they wanna take for their future chips, I think
0: (laughs) will be uh, quite exciting as well. Yeah, Um, with WWDC, um, the most interesting announcement, it's kinda weird, but I I love the the iPhone camera as a webcam, webcam. I know a lot of people didn't like that announcement saying it's so unApple, Apple, right, to have this crazy, just clunky thing that you stick on your computer and use as a webcam, but for me, it's just like, I love that idea because um, partly I, you know, I do YouTube videos, et cetera, and I know how good the iPhone rear camera is. It's like so stinking good. There probably will not be a webcam out there. In the next decade or two, that's that, that's comparable, right, to an iPhone rear camera. So if you could just stick it on your your um, laptop, it just it just one of those things where I don't know how practical it is. I don't know if it's really gonna make money for Apple. It's like an extraneous thing. Sure, it's kind of weird, but it just is such a cool kind of feature to have. I don't even know how it can segue into more innovation or what it could do, but I just, for me, I just really liked, appreciated that use case. But um, yeah, I don't know, it's just a, a comment I had on that.
1: It's not very Apple-like in terms of yeah. how it works, not this integrated package, but I actually think it is somewhat practical, right? Because you have this great camera, why not? i actually wanted to use it for this but i couldn't find a way to get the phone clip onto my laptop uh and i think this camera on the laptop is is perfectly fine anyways but i definitely will be one of the people who orders uh those clip-ons from belkins or yeah. whatever whoever sells them to use this feature uh i think it is very interesting and it is useful Apple's trying more things these days as you've seen with the latest MacBook Pro and such where they're sort of throwing away the need for thin and light and focusing more on performance and usability. And I think that feature is is, is one example of that probably.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mark, uh, it's been a uh, fun catching up with you on all things Apple and Tesla. Um, yeah, big fan of your work. I, I've been following you since actually the early days, 2010, 11. I've been always a big Apple like fanatic. I used to check mac rumors and other sites like every day like five to ten times a day you know for multiple years Um, yeah yeah so um yeah yeah um definitely fun catching up and uh i appreciate your insights on apple uh fun to learn and um yeah definitely would love to uh catch up and chat again any kind of last words where can people find you uh, if they wanted to follow you
1: yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, you can find me at Bloomberg.com. Uh, also, I have my weekly newsletter where I've been talking a lot about this CarPlay and Tesla and whatnot. So you can get that at Bloomberg.com slash power And you can also follow me uh, at twitter.com slash at Mark And uh, if you go to my bio page on Bloomberg.com, you just click my name on any Bloomberg article, you can actually sign up to get an email uh, alert, a free subscription. Uh, to get an email anytime a new article comes out. So uh, please do that. Check out my latest stuff on Tesla, Apple, and whatnot. And, uh, of course, Dave, it was great to be
0: on here with you. Awesome. Appreciate it, Mark. Have a great day, and we'll see you later. You too. Bye. Cool, man. Um, thanks